on the softs is back. Monaco Grand Prix. Pretty decent race, if we're going to be honest. Not as boring as some of the other ones. I know during the race, I was really pissed that they weren't running in the wet, but we found out post-race is that they lost power on the grid, so they couldn't even do the lights, and that's why I don't think we got any standing starts, which I'm wondering if that was just made up after the fact to cover some bases. (laughs) I want the conspiracy theorists to be. Monaco, Monte Carlo, whatever you want to call it, is one of the richest... uh square feet in the entire planet you, only billionaires live there and you're telling me they couldn't afford the light bill like what happened yeah come on yeah. by the way do you know how you buy a house in monaco you don't you have to inherit and if you go to actually buy it the in the next inheritor of the property is to sign off on you buying it so yeah I think that's so then how did all the drivers win there is it just because they rent apartments is is that how that works you're on mute aj you're gone yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, my roommates are blasting <laughs> music at the moment. Anyway, there we go. Um, yeah, sorry. What was the question? <laughs> so, again, because like, like we said, only billionaires right. live there. But then like also like every Formula One driver now like has a residency there yeah. in some capacity. So do they get it from someone who already has it? Yes. The only reason I know is because I knew somebody in college that, was, that had a house there. Yeah. So like basically like you could buy a house there, but the next inheritor would have to sign off on the property. So like if my dad had a house there and he wanted to sell it, I would have to sign off on him selling it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, which I would not do. <laughs> no, never. Absolutely never. Um, I think there's also, like, a way to get around it with, like, apartments or whatever. I don't think anybody really lives in, like, oh, a house. Sure. But, um, yeah. I mean, we, we were blessed. Like, Monaco, again, like, it's, it's just a legendary circuit. But I think the weather made things very interesting as well. Again, obviously, the big thing to get into... Charles Leclerc finally finished a race at Monaco, except not in the place he expected it to be. Again, I've again we're we're newer fans to Formula One. I know we've all went back and watched as many races as possible, followed as many of the different stories of F one. That's got to be one of the all time strategy blunders. Back to back wasn't just one; they did it twice in a row. Unbelievable, Jake. What did you think? I'm not even kidding. I would have rather it be like last year when Leclerc's like driving to the grid and his car just shits the bed and doesn't even race than have him run the whole race like three seconds ahead. Oh, I'm just having a great day. I'm finally going to do this, yada, yada. And then just to have Ferrari pull an all-time Ferrari and just blow it. Like, there's no reason. It's so frustrating that we threw away so many good points two weeks in a row. Uh, Spain was mechanical, sure. But this, there's no reason that Ferrari shouldn't win this race and come away with a max haul of points. Uh, Leclerc drove lights out all weekend. He trusted in Ferrari just to just not screw up pitting. And they couldn't even do that. They couldn't even look over their shoulders and see Carlos Sainz coming down the pit lane. Like, <sighs> Well, the thing is, not only did they mess that up earlier, they messed up the first stop with putting him on the... The inters, because they should have just left them both on the wets, because once they did that, the Red Bulls were just flying, yeah. and then they made up on the overcut. But then, so at that point, they gave up the race win, but he was still in the podium positions. And then they pinned him behind his teammate, basically just sealing the deal, which was unbelievable. Uh, un- unbelievable. And then they're telling him to stay out when he's halfway down the pit. Yeah. It was, it was I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> the other thing that, that's interesting, though, is when Sainz asked for dry tires, and they ran him for, like, another, like, five or six laps on the wets, I wonder what would have happened there, because, like, he would have been, like, realistically, like, like one of the first people on dry tires, right? But, like, the track, it was still, like, kind of iffy, 
I'm wondering how much that would have changed in terms of strategy or gap. Also, like not even from a prior perspective, but just for like a data perspective overall, because after you saw like six, seven laps later, like he went to drives, then like Red Bull went to drives and everything else. I'm wondering how that would have impacted the race. I think that would have put Red Bull, especially if Carlos Sainz went out there and ran some good laps. I think that would have put pressure on Red Bull to make the to do it sooner. Yeah. Instead, Ferrari just gave handed them a winning strategy. It was just like, yeah, okay, thanks. If if they let Sainz pit when he wanted to for hards or whatever, if they just threw him on hards and then get out there, he would have won that race, no problem. He was running great on the hards in second, and then if, but like Puff said, they just they just gave it to Red Bull. They said, you know what? We want to make this really frustrating, so just go ahead and win this, Christian. This is all you. I let Checo get a win. Go ahead. <laughs> again, I actually think Carlos Sainz still could have won that race, but so I start. I saw the thing with Albon when they told him who was behind. Dude, he slowed down. Albon slowed down. He played that right for Red Bull, dude. He played. He played Red Bull driver number three. And who could blame him? He's got it on his helmet. It's Monaco. That you can't really say anything otherwise, but. He played right into that and helped his team get a win. Again, I, again, some people were pissed about that. That's who cashes that's the racing, checks, my yeah. friend. Yeah, that's who cashes. That's who writes the checks. I, I think the other thing that was like kind of crazy was like the challenge of Red Bull leaving the pits. Like that was not even close. If you if you look at it, like the the car view kind of showed it, sure. But I found this other one on Twitter where it's like somebody's apartment like filmed it or something. Yeah, they it weren't even close. close. And also, if you look at the, the cockpit, like he's catching the car. Like the car is sliding. Yeah, it's um, a wet track. But again, at that point, if, out, so if, at that point, at at that point, if you're Ferrari, though, you have to do anything. Yeah. Oh my you god. Yeah. I mean, it's just hope. It's it, it, to just it, make it seem like up, up. See. Yeah. See. Like, if you don't do anything, I think it's also a thing for Leclerc to save face, right? So it's like a thing for Ferrari if they're like, all right, we screwed up. Like we're gonna try to do everything else. You know. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like whatever. Like every, every team does it anymore. But it was just like one of those things where it's like I don't know. Petty. It was a petty protest yeah. for sure. Um. Checo, yeah. great, great, a great race. He deserved this. Not only did he deserve this one, I think he deserved yeah. the last one. And I saw someone said the standings. I think would be hit, uh, Max, him, and Charles in third, and him and Max would be separated by one point. I said earlier that you know, again, I still think this. And I think Max and Charles. This is who's fighting for the world championship. But Checo showed that he belongs in that car. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to have him. I think him. he's going to get a couple other wins. I think he's going to get a couple other wins. I mean, it's yeah. right now you're in a, th- you're in a three-way race. Yeah, no, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, I think the main thing, though, is, and, and like we, we, we really talked about this before, like, you know, Max is one, Checo's two, right? And I think that, that worked extremely, extremely well. And when we need Checo there, he's there. He's been there always. But I think we don't want to start with, like, the animosity from the team where we have, like, Max and Checo getting into it, and then it's like, well, like, you're the old head, like, you're out, this is my team, and you have Yelts for staff and making comments. Like, we really don't want to get into that conflict there. Like, you know, I I, I know, he's totally off base, he's totally wrong. He makes, he had... There's nothing worse, there's nothing worse than, like, the LeVar ball. Yeah. He's the LeVar ball. <laughs> because it's like, his kid, it's not, like, his kid isn't making those comments. Again, Max did make a comment, like, the front... The steering in the front of the car isn't the way he he normally likes it, but again, that's still they're getting used to the car. It wasn't like oh, I have a shitty yeah. car, and they're not making the car for me. There was no there was no oh, I'm mad they didn't hand me this win. First off, he was never in line for no. this win, so I don't I don't I don't want to know where Jos Verstappen thinks like they would have like somehow got him out in front without completely sacrificing everybody else's race within the team. It made no sense. His comments made absolutely no mm-hmm. sense. He usually makes no sense. <laughs> and uh, just like, 
again, like, I guess when, like, Max was, like, 17, 18, it was, like, I'm his dad. Like, yeah. but, like, your son's a world champion now. He's, he's a better driver than you ever yeah, were. Max is his own man. Shut now. up. Let him talk for himself. Shut up. And Checo, that was one of the better then, weekends of his whole career. Almost every practice session and qualifying, he was just putting Checo was better than Max. Yeah, he was better than Max this weekend. Yeah. Checo was better than Max yeah, all weekend. No, yeah, without a question. Checo and, and I, I think one. also with the with, with the track like Monaco, like, like we were going back and forth in our group text, like it's points on Saturday. I mean, although it didn't necessarily pan out like that, like it's, <laughs> no. it's that important. Still, and and when, when Checo goes fast overall on FP2 and FP3, like, I mean, quality, yeah, like, he had that massive mess up, which, A, huge credit to, like, Red Bull's, um, like, their, their engineers for fixing that. I think that's unreal that they were able to put that car back together and still make it a winning race car. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Max just wasn't in the conversation all weekend. Like, he was there. I mean, was he necessarily a threat? Probably not, other than, hey, it's the wet, and it's Max, and it's Monaco, so, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. But I think that that was the best car that he had all weekend, to be honest. Oh, for sure, and I also think too with the, what you saying points on Saturday. I still think like again, you got to get into that top four if you want to be top four, top five if you want to be in question for that podium. Because like if if you're back in eighth, if something happens up front, you're still not going to get there. So it really is points on Saturday. Now things will happen in the race Sunday that could change how many points you get. Mm-hmm. But that again, to that though, I think we need to change the qualifying format at that track as well because it, it's just it's awful. It's just awful. If if we're gonna keep Monaco on the calendar, which we all hope they do, maybe I feel <laughs> I feel like one like they should do like two lap qualifying where like each car goes out there. You do a random draw. Yeah, go one shot. So qualifying. everybody gets a random draw. Track like it, even if they do two, even if they do two shot, and it's your your best time out of those two. That's what they take, and that's where you qualify to just mix it up because we saw it at the end where a couple guys laps got screwed because you know Checo fumbled it a little bit. I don't think it was intentional. I know some people were like, oh, he did that on purpose. It wasn't He's not Schumacher. He wanted, he, he's, but he's, and he's not Nico Ross purposely <laughs> driving it off in the first turn. Like, oh, I didn't see that coming. He, he just got it up on the curb a little bit. But I think it was a good weekend. I think Red Bull, they got it all together right now. All of the momentum is in their favor. One, I think their car is slightly a little better. But not only that, it's just... They, they, they're, as a team, they don't make mistakes. Yeah. They're not making them the, those crucial mistakes that Ferrari is making. It's just, I know, again, last week it wasn't really their fault. It was, you know, mechanical. But to throw the race away like that, like, that's going to take a couple weeks, I think, for Charles to get over. One, because it is his home race. And two, like, to get that trust back in the team, like, he's going to be questioning, are you guys sure? That's Are, are we sure we want to pit now? Yeah. I just hope that doesn't come back to bite him in the ass. That's two weeks in a row. That's not killed his championship, but, I mean, the difference of he could have had 50 points over the last two weekends, and now he only came away with, uh, well, nothing from Spain, and then what, uh, like, was it 15 for fourth, I think it is? I'm not sure what the, yeah. how, how far it goes on yeah, the scale. And now he's down. Yeah. I think it's, no, I think it's, I think it's 12. Oh, yeah, exactly it's right. 12. So from 50 to 12, I mean, in two weekends, that, the whole championship's going to just flip upside down. A couple of weeks ago, like, yeah, Leclerc has a good shot after Australia. Leclerc's looking really good. Can't stop him, blah, blah, blah. A couple of weeks, like a month later, two months later, it's Leclerc's throwing, or not Leclerc, but Ferrari's throwing these crucial, crucial points away, and it's really going to hurt Leclerc uh, a couple of months from now. It's not looking good for him. Uh, two, two months ago, Max thought he was out of the championship mm-hmm. after, like, four oh, races. Yeah. He was like, I, I, it was, he was like, I, I just don't know. Like, I, we, they're, they're too tough, and yeah, he literally said that he's, he's, he's like, gone. we're not we're not focused on the championship at all. We're focused on finishing races. Like that's that was literally our you know our attitude. And I think that that just speaks to like again we we burned a lot of the um, 
like the upgrade budget, but I think that just speaks to like how quickly we can develop and like stay on our feet, you know, um, as a team. And the other thing that I wanted to bring up, Checo's contract through 2024, I think that's going to be huge because with before the regulation change last year, right, Checo was just getting comfy in that car. I mean, he did awesome towards the end of the year, but he was still just getting comfy in that. This year, same thing, new regulations. Like everybody as a whole is still getting comfortable in that car. And for him to be as lights out as he is, um, I mean, like that just speaks to, to how far he can actually go. So we're going to have him over two years. I think, you know, we're going to be on the radar for the foreseeable future. It's great for the structure of the team. You don't have to worry about getting a new guy in there who's maybe a little more hungry and trying to compete with Max. you got a guy in there who wants to get some wins, who wants, again, he wants to win a world championship, mm-hmm. and who knows, maybe he can, but he knows his place within the team for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, I, I like that. I, I like that aspect of, like, that he's hungry because that's going to make Max better when Max is a young driver, right? Like, Max is always, like, historically, right? Like, so he's been with, like, He's been with, like, Danny Rick, for example. Like, when Danny Rick was, like, pretty damn good. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, I feel like he needs that. And, like, we almost fell off as a team when we were going with the whole, like, Albon, Pierre Gasly thing where it was always just, like, he has no support. Like, he needs somebody. Well, that was also that the the, the, the engine and the car just wasn't Yeah, I mean, but also, like, those drivers just weren't good as well. Like, so, I, I mean, we, he, he needs somebody that has, like, A, like, that older, like, mentality of experience of, like, let's not, you know, jump at things and be, like, super, like, apprehensive. Like, let's just... Let's just like wait, like let's see how the flow of the race goes. Like that's really how Monaco went this year, um, and I think that's really good for Max. I think having, you know, like seeing that his team can support somebody of that caliber, and then also like allow him to kind of grow with the team as well. I think that's really good for him. There's a lot more that goes into this decision than just the fact that okay, Chow can win races and like whatever. Like there's a lot of other stuff like for Max's development that goes into this decision. I think, and like it's kind of what Aston Martin's doing with. Stroll and Vettel. Granted, Stroll should not even be near like an Uber. Meanwhile, an F one car, but like that's kind of like their mentality, right? It's like we're going to have this experienced guy that's, that's like good, like we're going to let though. him kind of foster and like take Stroll under his wing. I feel like Red Bull's kind of doing the same thing with a much more talented driver. That that's not what's going on there. What's going on there is a, da- a, a rich dad bought a team for his son. To well, yeah, but who would you want your son to drive with, Sebastian and, Vettel or not Sebastian Vettel? Well. Also, again, I don't think Sebastian Vettel went there like, oh, I'm going to mentor Lance Stroll. I think he was going there thinking he was going to be driving a racing point car, competing in the top four of the midfield at least, like in the top four, in in the top of the midfield at least, and he's driving a shitbox, and he's going to be gone after this year. I think he's going to retire. I seriously think he's gone. I just like, how is this fun? Again, he like, I think you can see it in him. He loves getting like top tens and shit, but like he can go race somewhere else and like do good and it's just like it's probably be more fun so who, who takes step seat let's speculate way too early before anything even happens well before <laughs> before we get into that what what the Checo contract says more than anything is Pierre Gasly is never going to no. be the, the second driver at Red Bull no I don't anymore. want him any, he's no. gone uh, him or Albon again you don't you don't want him and I and I, and I get why because like you saw it wasn't great I think he's 10 times the driver he was at that mm-hmm. point you saw some of the passes he was making at in early in the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, those were some fire passes. He's he's been doing he, again. He puts that car up in the midfield, and, and they're good. they have a decent structure. That team, it's not like they're scrubs, but they don't have the, the the machinery that some of those other guys he competes with with. With I'd like to see him again. I know that Fernando wants to hog a F one seat for the next six years until he's about fifty two, but. 
I'd like to see him there. I I think Aston Martin's another good spot for him because I think Aston Martin's eventually going to become Audi, and I think that would be great for Pierre to be there because I think eventually Audi's not just going to be some middle-of-the-pack team. They're going to try to compete mm -hmm. to be a, an elite team. Again, if Lewis says goodbye, if I, if I was Mercedes, I'd want I'd want Pierre in my wow. team, the second driver in my team. I think he's that. But good. he couldn't keep a car on track. Was, but that's but a the hard thing car was, to that drive. was like compared to the the that, W what eleven that was that year or the W ten like those cars are much easier to drive for a second driver than that iteration of the Red Bull made for Max Verstappen to just rip around the, that first for off seventy that, laps that Red first off that Red Bull he may have been too young he may not have been ready but it, it wasn't like Daniel Kvyat where he, when he left the team he went back to yeah to Alphatari what they are now and he was just average like yeah, Pierre's not, been not, not Pierre in a race. Pierre's won a race since then, and, and yes, it kind of fell into his lap, but he still won it, and he kept a McLaren behind him. So I, I think he is a good – I think, again, we're not talking like he's a number one driver. I think he's going to take the t it by storm. I don't think he's on that level. I still think he's a guy who can win races. He Again, I get why Red Bull are probably hesitant because the first time they had him in, ugh. But Red Bull's keeping – what's his name around with the intention – I think Albon's going to get back into that team eventually before anybody else – I think that's why they kept him around. Again, he was instrumental. He was a great guy to have around the team. Even Max said so for when they won the championship. He's the first one yelling on the radio when Max is crossing the finish line. So I, I think Red Bull likes to have those guys because they are family. But again, they do want to win. And I just think they've reached that point where they have Sonoda. They have Pierre. They have Albon. Albon's going to be in the AlphaTauri next yeah, year. Yeah, it'll be him and Sonoda. For sure, I think so. Him and Sonoda. And maybe not Sonoda because that Honda connection is kind of disappearing. And that's really what Sonoda was. I don't um, think any of their F2 and drivers. Like Red Bull's got like four drivers in F2. So it's like Pierre, they, they, they he's just not what they need right now. And they know Pierre. And I, I, I also think it's like a gesture like, listen, we know you want to go race with the bigger team. We're, we're, this is this is the sign that they're letting him go. That you know, maybe again, if he was there in two years, they probably would take him because I do think he's better than Albon and Sonoda. But I have a feeling that he's going to be with a different team next year. I've Speaking heard of different teams uh, next year. I'm sorry, go ahead, Jake. There's just rumors, real quick. Of um, there's talks. It's like a two team thing now, but it's uh, rumors that if McLaren were to drop Danny Rick, that's what I was about to say. Oh, perfect. Um, if McLaren were to drop Danny Rick, people were talking that they should. I think they should also go after Pierre Gasly. Him and Ella, him and Lando, just like two young, fantastic, fast drivers. I think that would be a great move for the team going forward. Because I don't know who else McLaren could put in there besides America or besides Colton Herter or Pato Award. But uh, Pato Award talk. is pretty much out on Pato Award's out on that discussion. He just signed like a long term deal with Aero SP that gives him F one opportunities. Like to test cars and stuff, but um, Zach Brown's made it very clear with Pato that Pato would have to win the IndyCar Championship to to what she is in contention. It could very well happen. And, almost, <laughs> and to be honest, he almost won the Indy Five Hundred yeah. on on Sunday as well. So again, if he wins that, that'd be really cool because then he that could you know speed it on his way. I really think Zach Brown is more inclined to give it to Pato Award because he's an American. Or Colton, you mean? He wants. They're trying to grow. McLaren is trying to become the most popular team and the most, the fastest growing market. For yeah, did, it's so th there was a snippet during the Indy that I forget who Zach Brown was talking to, but 
somebody made like a joke or something about Danny Rixey and whatever, and they're like, oh, like, you know, like, are you scouting talent or whatever? And Zach Brown said, like, oh, like, somehow like the conversation evolved into like, oh, like, you know, who do you like, right? And whoever Zach Brown's talking to, the guy's like, oh, like, Colin Herta. And Zach Brown just went like, he just like smirked like, and smiled. I, Everybody was like, is that like who you're going to go with or whatever? And just like, he left her open. I think he's going to be. But like, he very much hinted at it there. Oh, uh, he's going to be a McLaren driver. Everyone thought that he was going to be the guy that Andretti brought over, and initially he was. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't get a McLaren seat, that's again we're we're still not sure if the Andretti thing is going to happen. I think it's going yeah, to. It that's who they want to take. But Andretti's also not going to hold Colton Herta back from going mm-hmm. and driving with McLaren, and that could also then give Andretti an opportunity to maybe get an Apato Award or a couple other Americans into their seats. Um. How about uh, Mick Schumacher? Um, is he going to be operating a Formula One vehicle? I think he gets one more year with Haas, and then after that, I think even though his Ferrari connections are strong, if he's not, if he doesn't, well, that's improve, what's going to save him this if year. If he doesn't improve, that's what's going to save him yeah. this year. If he wasn't connected with Ferrari and Ferrari didn't give Haas their engines, he'd be gone after this season. But I think because of that, he gets one more year. And obviously, it's still we've only had what seven races now, six races. So he still has a whole bunch of races to, you know, finally score points. But if not, there's going to be real questions after this season then definitely after next season if nothing improves. He's not looked the way that I thought he was going to. Like, he was a good driver in F2, but mm-hmm. he was never the – I would say the fastest maybe. He won on consistency he in F2. He was never the fastest. He was, it was all consistency in F2. In F2. It was always, he was always where he needed to be to score the maximum points that he could that so, weekend. So hot, hot take, right? This is going to piss off many people. but You think he's done? Dude, what if he's just not a race car driver? What if he just has a name? What if he's just not a race car driver? Like, I don't want to say – again, don't, that's a little harsh. Not a race I mean, car driver. He, Maybe he, not an F1 not driver. Not a product. Like, let's, let's at least say that. Like, he, Okay. Like, he's, he's just, I mean, I don't know. Like, when he was Mazepin, like, it was easy, right? It was like, oh, like, Mazepin, like, he sucks. They're getting money from Putin even. Like, who cares? Like, screw him, right? But, like, now it's like the excuses are, like, just dwindling down more and more. And it was like, oh, like, the white Ferrari, like, it's quick, it's quick. That's how it started the year. And then now it's just like, you have even, like, Gunther coming out and saying, like, he hasn't lived up to our expectations. It's just like, at some point, like, how far does the Schumacher name, the Ferrari connection, get you? Before there's legitimate questions of like again, I think questions should be brought up. I do think it's a little. Last year when he first came in F one, he was his teammate was the worst driver on the grid yes. by far. Yes. Okay, and Latif- Nicholas Latifi was on the same grid. <laughs> so, and I'm saying, and I'm I saying love Latifi, by dude. far, he's the man. <laughs> but I'm, again, I'm saying like he's Nicholas Latifi's bad. Mazepin was that much worse. Yeah. So of course everyone was like, "Oh, Mick Schumacher's beat him every weekend. They're in the worst car on the grid. They weren't racing against anybody because they weren't near any other cars." So again, he looked good. He beat Mazepin all the time because that's who he was going up against. Then the next year, they bring in a guy with the team who, before, let's let's get something straight. Before you know, he was with Haas. He was a good driver. The first thing uh, he did when he came into F1, Magnussen, was put a McLaren that shouldn't have been on the podium on a podium. So let's 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 we got to stop. I, I just pump the brakes a little bit because he can't compare him to Magnussen because Magnussen is an elite driver who has been in F1 for many years, has done other motorsports and been successful. So 
again, the question should be brought up, like, how long, how far does it take you? I think it would be so premature if they were to just choose someone after this year. Again, now, if he's abysmal for the rest of the season, then okay, but I think we've got a lot of, a lot of time left. Yeah, I, I agree. On, on, on Mick. Again, I don't know if Mick's ever going to be as good as – he's not going to be as good he's as his dad possible. was. Let's just get that out of the way. Do I have – I have serious doubts that he's ever going to make it to Ferrari, but I, I, I would pump – just that – I'd pump the brakes on the he's not, you know, he's not cut out for this yet. I, I think I need a little more time. Okay. I'd be more um, like a Ralph Schumacher than a Michael Schumacher, which is still a good career. Thing, Ralph was a good yeah. driver. Ralph was a good driver. I think he won. I think he ended up winning seven He had a couple, races but he was on career. a good Williams team, and he competed against Michael. Like, they had a, a good little clash for a couple I of think, years. I think – Again, I think I think there's two things with if Mick Schumacher, if his name was Mick Robinson, I think people would be like, ah, oh, Mick Robinson's a decent driver. He hasn't really lived up to expectations, but he's okay. I think the Schumacher name is a blessing and a mm. curse. I think it's a blessing in the sense that, you know, it's got him a lot of places that maybe his driving sh- shouldn't have gotten him. But then it's like people think you should be, you know, like your dad was two years into the into the Formula division, and you're freaking winning races and then next year competing for a championship with a t-shirt manufacturing company like <laughs> i uh i think i think it's just he's young too it's like what is he like 22 yeah 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 so i pump the brakes yeah let's give him a chance here all right let's look ahead a little bit to azerbaijan wait hold on we got to talk about uh our friends uh mercedes-benz oh that's yeah, right. yeah, i forgot they're still racing <laughs> also ran um um, George Russell does it again. George, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have that actually Top on my game. notes here. Yeah, extends the streak. I, I mean, so here's a here's a little just a little throwing the wrench in the plans here. Lewis still continues to not do well. Next year, say it's more of the same story. Say Red Bull just dominates next year again. What about Russell taking Checo's seat? George Russell's not going to leave Mercedes. I think he's in his deal with like Mercedes like three or four yeah. years. For let's get let's get something clear here. Mercedes is going to have a car next year that's winning races. I'm sure by the I I still don't cut out that they win at least one. This that team every year of its existence except the first three, where their car was, was brand new. Yeah, it was a brand new car. Was brand, well, brand new car. Yeah, like that. They had an uh, old Michael Schumacher as their second driver because he was just bored and wanted money. Like they weren't a serious. Yeah, team just wanted money and wanted to race again. So uh, let's pump the brakes there. I don't. Again, maybe in a couple of years he would do yeah. that. Lewis, Lewis, he's got his. La- I think, like you always say, Max is on the best lap ever. Every time it doesn't happen. I think Lewis was on the greatest lap of Monaco history, but then Checo did that thing with Carlos Sainz, and he and he missed it. But again, he got stuck behind friggin' that was Alonso, who had the that pat them backed up like 40 seconds? fifty seconds behind the leader. Yeah, hey, about the the radio calls were fantastic for that. How far are they ahead of me? Uh, Lewis, I, I think the more important thing statement would be that how far are they behind you? <laughs> They're behind me. That was comical. I've never seen another driver hate another one the way Fernando hates Lewis. Like in yeah. any other racing series, like even in NASCAR, guys have a be- guys will have beef and they'll like punch it out in the pits or whatever. They'll bump each other off track and they'll get it over with after a race or two. Fernando Alonso's hated Lewis Hamilton since 2007. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> this is 15 years now. Them. He hates Lewis Hamilton. He's like, oh, Hamilton's behind me. Watch this. Drives 30 miles under Dude, the limit. How is, 
how, how would you feel, though, if a kid that when they brought him up, you looked at Ron Dennis and said, I thought you wanted to win the Constructors' Championship, and then, like, he kind of takes your career. <laughs> oh, Lewis punked, like, punked Alonzo <laughs> that year. <laughs> he kind of took his career. Fernando won the last two <laughs> championships, went to McLaren. Oh, guys, I'm going to be so fast here. And Lewis comes in like, hey, what's I'm up, be man? so Watch fast this. here. They tied the first year only because the last couple races, Lewis had a couple blunders because he could have won the championship that year. Then the next year he won it. Then Alonso was like, I'm going to go to Ferrari. <laughs> Red Bull put a, a wrench into those plants. And then he was like, I'm going to go back to McLaren. <laughs> GP2 engine. The JP, GP2 Honda engine. And it, it was, you think about that. People always give uh, – who, who are we always making fun of? Danny Rick for making bad career decisions. I don't know if he's made as bad or unfortunate ones as Fernando Alonso has. I mean, whew. I just think Fernando Alonso is always going to be more notable than Danny Rick, so it's just going to be more of like a... Oh, well, yeah, because once Danny Rick's career is going to be nowhere near as long, so he's like a flash in the pan, you know? Um, uh, anyway, Azure by Fan. So, two DRS zones. We have Ferrari that's going to absolutely dismantle and dominate Sector 2. But Red Bull is going to fly with Sector 1 and 3. This is the best street course on the grid. Yeah. The best Easily. street course on the grid. This is one of my favorite tracks. The, with with the uh, with, like the castle turn and stuff, it's so tight. It's so fast. You're driving by a freaking castle. Like It's so cool. It's so cool. That, the front straight is just uh, the speeds they reach on that when they have somebody getting towed and qualifying is just – it's. it's just so much fun to watch. Like these cars going like full speed, crank the engine up. Rip down that straightaway to get the best lap in. It's so much fun to watch. It's fun in the video game. It's a great race all around. The video game, it's the best track in the game. I do have a question for both of you, being the Red Bull and Ferrari guys of the podcast. Now, we, we've seen lately that the Ferrari seems to be more set up for qualifying, and then the Red Bull does way better in the race. But, with like AJ said, the two DRS straights, how fast the Red Bull is in the straight line, does Red Bull take a front row lockout? this weekend because I'm thinking they do. Yeah. I'm, I know that we like, I, I know you said again, you said the car, uh, Ferrari's going to be really fast in the turns in sector two, but those straights make up the big part of this track. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that take. I think the only thing that, that really troubles me though, is that the straights lead into like straight 90 degree turns. Right. So like you're full on and then you're full off. And I think that's the only thing that worries me is that it's not like a true straight that like would lead into like a softer chicane or anything like even though that even though that that, that they're going to dominate that sector too because it's all like those like short like little like short uh, like slow turns the only thing that worries me is that under braking those quick turns that still favors ferrari even though it's in those sectors i mean it, it's just going to depend honestly it's going to depend on what engine position that we come in with um like what kind of party mode are we going to throw on to to quali well um jake what are your thoughts yeah, I think on like I didn't think about it, but yeah, uh, a Red Bull lockout wouldn't surprise me at all. Checo finally has, I don't know what, what this car is so much different than last year's, but Checo really has this car like underneath him. When he's in that car, he is at worst the fourth fastest driver or the third fastest driver. He if he's great. better than Signs. He's great the last two yeah, weeks. Yeah, so I think uh, a Red Bull lockout wouldn't surprise me at all. Especially like you said, uh, Ferrari, they'll be really fast by the castle. But Leclerc's been it there before in races and qualifying with a really good Ferrari. And uh, just like you said, the, the, the front straight is going to be so fast. I think if you just get a decent sector, uh, sector three coming out of those last couple of turns, 
I mean, I, Checo and Max could easily run away with this one. If they get a clean start and they go clean into turn one and get like a second or two gap, they could just pull away with DRS and they could really have a dominant win if they like really get together this weekend or next weekend. I will say too, I'm really interested to see what compound Pirelli brings yeah. this year because last year was an issue. And the man who would have won the race didn't win the race. And almost, I mean, if Lewis doesn't, you know, Punterino, like uh, that was almost like a ball don't lie situation, like in basketball, where like, listen, this was Max, it wasn't Max's fault, so we have to, the universe had to correct itself there. But <laughs> Max would have won that race had that tire just completely, and there was nothing on the sense or anything, it just completely blew. So it'll be really interesting to see. What uh, what Pirelli brings, I will also say, I want to know how my team's going to do because the week before they were like really fast and straight, so then they came to Monaco and they looked like they were driving the shit box car again, and then now we're back to a regular track. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really another. I think the big question mark for Mercedes is have they finally solved the porpoising, right? Because we saw them in the the previous race before Monaco, like they were kind of like turning it off, turning it back on. Like Russell didn't have it, Lewis did. They changed the setup a little bit, like. They, they, they really started to figure it out, I think. But also in Monaco, like, I don't think you're really hitting those speeds fast enough where that would be a factor. You know what I mean? I think I think this is going to be the first true test of, like, this kind of does play in Mercedes' hands because, like, the car is not there in a straight line. If you're going to win the race, it's going to be in those slower speed turn, uh, turns, like, closer to Ferrari's strategy. I think the main thing is, it like, the porpoising, like, it, is that actually figured out? Because now is where it was going to, like, rear its head, right? It, we weren't, we weren't going to well, see that's... it last week. It would be here. Again, when they when they were on the straights in a couple of the practice sessions, and I and I think during the race too, in in Spain, down the straight they were like pretty fast without the porpoising. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's a problem, then they're not going to be fast. So that's really interesting for them. Another thing that's going to be really interesting is because I I still don't know what the McLaren car is because Lando Norris drives it so well, yeah. and then Danny Rick puts it in like. P15. <laughs> so like, I can't tell if he's just really not it anymore or if Lando Norris is just it. It's like so confusing to me because I think you, Jake, you tweeted it to us. Like their difference is worse than Mazepin and Schumacher's yeah. difference was last year. And I saw a thing apparently like last year the McLaren was obviously built for Lando style because it was the last year of that car reg. So they said, screw it, let's have Lando get the best car, yada yada. And apparently over the winter when they were designing this car, the things that hurt Danny Rick, they thought, okay, let's put those in a way for Danny Rick to be better with the car. So they made it not fully towards Lando, but more like, say, 60 40 this time instead of 80 20. Mm-hmm. And Danny Rick still can't drive the car. It's just not. I don't know if he's losing it. I don't know if he just... I don't know, but it's not looking good for Danny Rick anymore. Yeah. Well, we, we will wait no, and see here, boys. A couple short days. couple short days. Now, your picks... Uh, before we tail off here, there's still one more race I want to talk about. Your picks going into the weekend. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on my on my thing. I think it's Leclerc versus Staffin Checo. It's not failed me yet. I'm I'm staying with it. I know it makes no sense at all, but I just not. I I was I'm not in the racing suit today. I thought that might screw things up. So I, I have to do at least one thing the, the, the same, and that's that's Leclerc versus Staffin Checo. That's what we're gonna see. I'm saying uh, Max Charles and then Perez for one two three in Azerbaijan. 
I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna throw something out here that may shock a couple people, and it's not a Mercedes thing. I think Checo Perez is on a tear right now. I think something has clicked in this man's brain. I'm gonna go with Checo Verstappen science. I think Leclerc is still not fully over what happened last weekend, and I honestly think he might make a mistake in this race. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, talk about three shitty weeks for Leclerc. Lose the car in Spain. Crash Nicky Lauda's car. Then Ferrari throws away a win in your hometown. That's a... There's no Dude, way he's so, in a good that, spot bro, mentally. That was so sad. Like, even though he's a millionaire and flies around the world in private jets, like, he has to be getting Dude, up every day like, him on the radio. man, what's going to happen next? His uncensored radio was like, what the hell are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? Um, There wasn't two other races on Sunday. One was like, 12 hours on. <laughs> the Indy 500 was such a good race. It never fails. What did you guys think? So, I, mean, I, I thought it was a great race. I thought it was very, very good. I The only thing, like, the coverage, the, the coverage is just nowhere near F1 quality, in my opinion. Like, no, it's I, not. I, I was like, like, stupid things, like commercials, or like, we're watching, like, Rutledge Wood in, like, a swan in a pool. Like, just show the goddamn race. <laughs> like, like, Listen, AJ, at least you saw all the laps. Because most of the time, Indy takes a commercial break like NASCAR does, and you miss about four or five laps. At least with Indy, the way the contract works is that they have to do side boxes. Which, that's if you're going to show commercials, it's the only way it should be done. I think it's a crime if you do it the other way, which, whatever. Especially during non-cautions. Um, it was a great race. A um, couple hard hits for some of the... the, the the favorite of some of my favorites. Jimmy Johnson put it into the wall. Roman Grosjean put it into the wall. Dude, those are all hard. Oh, games. yeah. Oh, my God. And like, like, they're brutal. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge indie guy, but I think the, the thing for me that, that's so shocking, right? It's like they hit the wall and it's like, oh, like that was a really hard impact. And then they go another 400 yards and they hit the wall again. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, that was another, like, there's just like, 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 you don't really get, uh, like, I don't know. You don't really, maybe it's like just like depth perception, like whatever it is. But like when you like like Grosjean, like he smacked that that top wall and went like high side, and then went all the way back down to the infield and then hit that again, and like, hit it again, really freaking hard. And I was like, like hit the first wall going like two twenty, and then hit the next wall probably going about one forty. Yeah, and then just gets out of the. But car. like you don't really get like a perspective of how much faster that is in F one until like you see that. Like it's just. Like, like the the cards like never settles. Like he goes like down the infield, like across the grass, and you're like, okay, it's slowing down, it's slowing down, and then the whole ass end of the car flies up when he hits the wall again, and you're like, oh my god, wait, he's still doing like a buck and a quarter or something. Um, that for me was was kind of crazy. Like that was pretty eye opening. Um, but all in all, I thought, I thought I, it was a great race. I think another thing that's so eye opening too is when you see some of the elite of Formula One. Like Max is like, I like watching Indy. I love. I I have a, a lot of respect for what those guys do over there. I will never do it. He's like, nope, I'm not risking my life. I, I don't need to. Checo was like, same thing. He's like, yeah, I don't care. Like, it, it, again, it takes either some sort of desperation, like guys like Marcus Erickson, Roman Grosjean, where Formula One was the, they're, they're, they're like, that's where they wanted to be. And then someone tells them that dream's over. And it's like, it's either you, you know, go race touring cars, you go race, uh, endurance, or the next option is you go race Indy, but you take on that beast. Yeah. And Marcus Erickson. So there are a lot of funny tweets where there were it was like uh, imagine drivers. <laughs> Sauber drivers. It was like imagine telling someone that one of these guys won a triple crown race and it's not Charles Declare. 
And then another thing too, at one point, Sheko was at that first season of Drive to Survive. Marcus Erickson and Sheko in both of their episodes were like two of the guys whose seats were at risk mm-hmm. in the show. Like when Marcus Erickson's obviously for one reason, Sheko's for another. And now both these guys went in Crown Jewel races over the weekend. Marcus Erickson, that was awesome. Yeah, Indy was a great race. Uh, I I was like gutted for Scott Dixon. He was his qualifying oh, run yeah. was just amazing to watch, and then to get killed on a speeding penalty like that, and then yeah. Pato Award. My God, that man is such a great Indy car driver. Like if he doesn't win, I think he's my pick to win the championship now. And if he doesn't win Indy next yep. year, I'll be so surprised. He has that car so he's just so in tune with Indy car. It's amazing. I still, again, I, I think you're going to see a couple. Now that we're getting more back into some of the road courses, I th- watch out for uh, uh, Colton Herta. I think Colton Herta is going to make a run in these next couple races with them. The thing with Pato is, is I do want to see Pato get more F1 opportunities, but Pato's really good on the ovals. Mm-hmm. Texas is where he got his first win. The only, really, the only reason I don't think he won here was just because the Canassi cars were faster than everybody all weekend. Yeah. And McLaren is now just becoming an elite IndyCar team. Big news, they just got Alexander Rossi. Shout so out we're Rossi. gonna get somebody new we're gonna get somebody new over at Andretti this season and somebody new over at McLaren as well because I think Felix Rosenquist is gone out of that seat. Yeah. But Sunday could have been uh, the greatest day for Mexican motorsports if things went out differently. It could have been Checo yeah. winning in Monaco. Pato wins in Indy, and then uh, Daniel Suarez was running way up top in uh, NASCAR to like Sorry. one of the one of the three thousand wrecks that happened in that race, and he got taken out. How how that race was so long, so long. It was, it was like six and a half hours. Yeah, it was. It went to midnight. It miles. went to midnight. It was insane. Started at six o'clock. Went to midnight East Coast. <laughs> I love it, dude. I wouldn't change it at all. I, I would say though, they uh, the stages, man. They gotta get rid of that. They got to get rid of that. Yeah, that stage just suck. But Kyle Larson is just the greatest NASCAR driver I've ever seen in my entire life. He got sent to the back, what, three different times? And within 20 laps, he's running back in the top 10. One thing I will say is he is in the best machinery, but now you're seeing the best driver. One of the best drivers I think I've seen, too, as a Jeff Gordon fan. He's just... uh, Kyle Larson is just on a level I think I've never seen, especially in this era. And he gets sent to the back all the time, and he always ends up in the front. The dude is unbelievable. Expect that man to do the double next year. That man is going to do Indy and the Shark 100%. I think Kurt Busch did it a couple years ago yeah. in 2014. I think finished Tony in the top six it. at Indy. No, t- Tony Stewart is the only guy. Because remember, when Tony Stewart, before he did NASCAR, Tony Stewart did the IRL, oh, which yeah. was the Indy Racing League. It's when CART was bigger, but Indy Racing League was Still like... The 500. They're the ones that... Well, they had the 500, but they only did ovals. Yeah. So he won the championship there. He almost won the Indy 500 until his engine blown. He's the only guy to do the 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 double and finish in the top 10 in both. Wow. That's insane. But Cool. Thanks for joining us again on, an, on another great pod as usual. We always have some good ones on here. Thank you. Uh, yeah. What do we got coming up? Besides Baku, because I think these next couple weeks are just like all races. I don't even know. Because they're trying, they have, they have to finish before the World before, Cup. They're finishing, they're finishing in November. We're doing what what they did last year, twenty two races, but in like 
a month short of the calendar. Last year went what to like mid December. This year we're going like the end of it's. The, it ends the day before the World Cup so, starts. So we we got Azerbaijan, we got Canada, Great Britain, Austria, France. That takes some of the two. best races are coming up. That stretch right there of Canada is one of my favorite tracks. Azerbaijan's my favorite street. Uh, Canada's a great road circuit, mm-hmm. road course. Um, Silverstone is Silverstone. Maybe we get a little more action, some 50G <laughs> crashes in that again, huh? That's so shitty. Shooter up the inside. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for joining us, everybody. See you next time. Adios. Peace out.